Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, 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 it's on the mic with Mikey G. I'm doing my own jingles now. Hello. How the hell are you? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mike Goldman Show podcast today. An absolute legend when it comes to relationships, money, and just all over health and well-being. This guy's a genius. Dr. John Martini. How many books has he written, you ask? Well, he's written The Breakthrough Experience, Inspired Destiny, Riches Within, Secrets to Success, Stress to Success, How to Make One Hell of a Profit and Still Get to Heaven, The Gratitude Effect, Wisdom of the Oracle, Count Your Blessings, Heart of Love, You Can Have an Amazing Life in Just 60 Days, The Values Factor, and the list goes on. He was in the movie and the book The Secret, Dr. John Martini. He's on the mic today, but before you fast forward through my cheeky little intro, I have something for you right now. 15% off getting a cool new iPhone cover. How's that sound? Only because my buddy owns the business and he's doing a little favor for me because I'm starting up this new show and I'm trying to look after you wonderful people who have decided to tune in and give me a go. So what Cam and the guys at the dairy do is they have the most stylish and most durable iPhone cases on the market by far. These things are the best. Cases by upcoming designers, not all the predictable ones out there you see from the mobile phone store. Original designs from people like Casella, Patricia Menendez, Amy Sia, Henrik and Amelia from the Interior Collective. Loving the marble cover at the moment. There's a Fruit Loop one which I'm using. Can I say I'm using or I'm wearing? I'm wearing the marble cover. Plus there's a new one I saw today. <laughs> it just says on the back, zero fucks given. Don't buy boring cases from the phone shop. Stand out from the crowd with cases from thedairy.com. T-H-E-D-I-A-R-Y.com. Free shipping worldwide and 15% off if you use the code Mike on the mic. M-I-K-E-O-N-T-H-E-M-I-K-E. 15% off and get the armored case as well. They look cool and they're very durable. Thank you, Cam, at thedairy.com. All right, here he is, Dr. John Martini. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to On The Mic. My name is Mike Goldman. I am very honored to have with us today a man who probably doesn't call himself a guru, but I would call himself a guru. He has educated himself from a very young age to be a, a physical specimen and someone who is so, across so many incredible subjects. Uh, in his bio, it says something like 42 years of knowledge and development in helping humans become the best that they can possibly be. And he's here with us right now, Dr. John DiMartini. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming to join us on the show. Thank you for having me. It's really cool to have you here. I've uh, been following your, your work for a while and, uh, and it hasn't been an easy ride from the start, which makes, uh, makes your story something that people can relate to because uh, there's a lot of motivational speakers out there that just read a whole stack of books and, and regurgitate it out there for the public. But uh, it, it wasn't easy from the word go, and it, it's what makes your story so cool. Welcome back to Australia. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's you, fun to be you, here. You must love it here. I do. I come here four to five times a year, and I was once married to an Australian, so 
She, uh, she passed Athena. away, but uh, Athena. Yes. Athena, the star woman, used to get my stars from a beautiful lady. She was amazing. Uh, so, uh, mate, uh, your, your life of traveling the world and sharing this incredible knowledge. How's it going for you so far? I've been very blessed. I love it. I enjoy coming to Australia. Lovely people. And, and um, I get to travel the world and teach. That's what I've been dreaming about doing since I was 17. And when you say travel the world, you really do travel the world. You, you live on this massive cruise ship. And you basically, you know, stop off in every port, sharing your knowledge with, with the world. Well, I can't say that I'm always sailing. Some, many times I'm flying. <laughs> I think majority of the time I'm flying, but I am. Um, that's like I, a house. That's, that's a residence is, is on the ship. I've been on there for since 2001, since they launched it in 2002, but I bought it in 2001. That's so cool, man. That must be fun. Do, so you go, okay, where's the world going to be? Oh, it's going to be in, uh, in America. No, I don't feel like going there. I think I'll go to Australia and, and help some people down there. Exactly. So cool. Hey, uh, so you've written all these books. Um, I, I'm going to basically break this interview up into a, a few different sections because <clears throat> you're an expert in so many fields. Uh, it, it, we we don't just want to focus on relationships, even though I'm sure you can spend about five hours trying to figure me out. Um, you know, the body and health and and figuring out you you're getting your your body performing to an optimum level and uh, on a business side of things you you help people you know see the see the positive side and 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 work their business to their full potential well i i had a dream when i was 18. Um, i didn't exactly know what it meant at the time but i heard the term mastery and i had a desire to master my life it sounded cool and so i then asked what exactly does that mean and then I realized that there are categories that, or areas of life that people can master. And I believe that many people want to expand their mind and develop their mind. And they want to develop a business. And they want to develop their, their wealth potential. And they want to develop relationships. They want to develop leadership skills. They want to have a vital body and a well and attractive body. And they want to be inspired. So I've made my life to study everything I can in helping people master and empower those areas. Any area of our life we don't empower, people tend to overpower. So that's been my dream and that's what I do and I wanted to exemplify it because Einstein said that the greatest teacher is exemplification. So I wanted to empower all seven areas of my life and help other people do the same for theirs. Yeah, Einstein was a bit of a legend, wasn't he? And uh, another legend, someone who uh, you look up to and, and I, I think you studied him in a lot of ways was Gandhi. Gandhi, when I was 18, I remember studying his experiments with truth, and then I read all of his memoirs. And um, I think most of the books that have been out, I can't say every one of them, but most of the books that were at the time on his life, I read, and I was very inspired by him. But there were many people, I mean, Da Vinci and Einstein, and I, I went through and, and tried to study as many of the classical philosophers as I could, great theologians, philosophers, the greatest scientists, the greatest business leaders, try to find the, the greatest in each of those fields and try to glean the most universal principles I could mm. so I could build a foundation of information that could help people create a, their own legacy in life. So you've got such a wealth of knowledge, your courses, your workshops, the things that people can learn online about you. What would you say is the most popular that, that people will ask you about? Popular program or popular Yeah, like uh, yeah, if it's relationships, uh, you know, work... You know, I think that there's a cross-section in the programs. I teach 76 courses, and the primary course is the Breakthrough Experience. I've taught that 1,125 times. 
Whoa. And, and, and I, <laughs> so it's ingrained in your brain. Yeah. I, I, well, it evolves. It keeps evolving. I've done it in 63 countries and yeah. for nearly three decades. People change. Cultures change. Yeah. So that one, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on doing something to help people empower all areas. So we may have people there that are having challenges in their relationships and want to take it to another level. We have people that want to grow their business. And we have people that are, no matter what they've done, they can't get ahead financially. Or people that are extremely wealthy and they want to do, what do I want to do with my philanthropy? I have a cross-section of people, but I try my best to educate myself about that and glean insights from other mentors in those areas, because I have mentors in all those areas, to assist uh, myself and them to do what they would love to do in those areas, whatever that may be. Some people are focused on one or two of those areas, some all of them. Some are uh, not really focused on some of those areas. But I believe that deep inside, there's a yearning to do it. Mm-hmm. When you're, when you're uh, a single individual, and let's say you're a woman looking for a man, you're looking for somebody that is healthy, mm-hmm. that's nice looking, that looks uh, vital, and you're looking for somebody who is inspired mm. by something. Yeah. You know, and you're looking for somebody that's intelligent, and mm-hmm. you're looking for somebody that has some ambition. You don't want to be some guy that just you know, wants to do nothing. Yeah. You want somebody that has some resources so you don't have to take care of them. You want somebody that really wants to be with you and wants to learn how to communicate in your values and appreciate you for who you are. You want to be loved for who you are. Hmm. And you want somebody that has, uh, can get along with people and socialize. So there's a natural yearning biologically in all of us to try to maximize those areas hmm. for fitness and for mate selection. And Is that someone who, who they think they are themselves? Do you think some people sort of look for a mirror, mirror, mirror image of themselves? Well, very commonly, the ancient Greeks said that when you see more similarities than differences, mm. you have infatuation. When you see more differences than similarities, you have resentment. But when you see a balance of similarities, just enough similarities to get along and just enough differences to keep you challenged, then you have love. And I think that, that we, we tend to seek that which is similar, mm. but we tend to attract that which is opposite to make sure we get a balance of similars and differences. They, they've shown biologically that maximum growth and development occurs at the border of support and challenge. And many people are addicted to one side, mm. and then when they get challenged, they get stressed. And so they don't it. want it too easy? Yeah, they want it too easy, but they stay juvenile dependent when they have nothing but support. Right. They become more precociously independent when they get challenged. And when they get the combination, they just feel that they grow at the right rate. you got to find a happy medium. Yeah, you, you, I, I was having fun with a, a woman who was in the front row at the breakthrough recently. And I got on my knees and I said, I just imagined that she was now my, my partner, right? Just for fun. It's just, okay. just a skit. Cool. Is this, is this read a PG? Can we talk about this? Thing? This is PG. <laughs> and I said, I said, um, I just want to do everything you want me to do. Just tell me what you want me to do. Just I want to, I want to be everything you want me to be and everything else. And I just completely minimized myself and made her everything. And her face in front of the whole room went, get a life. <laughs> and, and, and she wasn't interested. No, because because you want somebody that stands up as an equal. Not yeah. somebody that minimizes themselves as yeah. an underdog. Mm. And then I turned around and I said, all right, lady, do what I tell you. And I went to the other extreme. And again, her face cringed. And I said, but if somebody's looking across from you and has equity with you, mm. which we call a match, and we, we don't talk down to them in an uncaring way, and we don't look up to them in a, in a careless way, careful way, but we have a caring way, we keep the ring on the finger. Right, okay. Is it true, if you like it, you should have put a ring on it? Well, I, I'm not saying that you have to uh, marry everything that you love, <laughs> but um, some people have a natural inclination to want to, you know, be married and have children and build a family. 
No, I know. Tell me about it. I get engaged at the drop of a hat. <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes I think love is a tug of war. Would you agree? Paul McCartney had the song, and it's like one. All of a sudden, it's that way, and it's this way, and it's finding that middle ground where you can both, you know, agree on certain things. Well, it's a, it's a perfect blend of hugs and slugs. Hugs and slugs. Oh, I got one of those this morning. But what is it with stupid arguments? Like, I, I have stupid arguments all the time. Like, this morning with, with my girlfriend, like, where she was in a rush, I was in a rush, um, but we're walking the shops to get breakfast, and she's walking really slowly. I'm like, why are you walking so slowly? She's like, well, you're walking really fast. And, and I go, so, well, you walk a little bit faster, and I walk a little bit slower. And she goes, no, you just walk too fast. Like, I'm in the right, though, aren't I? <laughs> Well, uh, I think there's a sign that says uh, men are to the left because women are always right. That's a funny sign. It's supposed to be a joke. But I I think that everybody wants to be... We have an animal nature inside of us that wants to have pride and wants to be infatuated. It's a dopamine rush. It's in the amygdala. And then we have an executive center, a higher level of the brain, that is more objective and more reasonable and more understanding that there's going to be both support and challenge in life. But sometimes we're not always in our executive center. We're in our little amygdala. And we want to be well, right. You know what? Our amygdala region of our brain. Amygdala. Where's the, the, where's the amygdala? It's in a deeper core region of the brain. It's more okay. a little bit more of an earlier animal kind of behavior in there. Ah, oh, primal. It's a okay. bit more primal. Yep. And, and so that's so, like an instant reaction to something. Yeah, I have done this. It's an impulse. stopping, looking at the, what you're about to say. Thinking before you speak, which exactly. is not very good. But we have, we have the amygdala, which is involved in impulses for pleasure and instincts from pain. Then we have a limbic brain that is involved in emotions that are not just impulse and instinct, but the, a gradation between. And then you have in the frontal cortex, which is mainly reason and objectivity. And so sometimes we are not always objective and reasonable in our request. But the only thing you can ever expect another human being to do is mm. to live according to their own values. And if we don't respect their values and we try to fix them, we're mm. going to get resistance. And that's the lesson in all relationships. Can, can people change? You know, they say a leopard never changes its spots. Well, yes, they can. Um, in fact, I'm glad you asked that. I, I was doing a TV show in America and I was behind a curtain and then they introduced me and I came out on the stage and I was sitting at a little couch and there's it's kind of like an Oprah set kind of thing. And this gentleman said, now, Dr. Martini, I see you have a new book out there. You can have an amazing life in just 60 days. And then he says, he says now, Dr. Martini, you don't really believe that people can change their life in 60 days now, do you? Don't you think that's some sort of American hype? <laughs> and I, I looked at him, and I wasn't expecting that response because I thought mm. he was going to interview me in a different way. And I just looked at him straight between the eyes. Mm. And I got a tear in my eye, just spontaneously. I just got really humbled. And I said to him, you know, excuse me, but it'd be impossible to convince me you can't change your life in 60 days. My life changed in 60 minutes one day when I met a man that inspired me to do what I'm doing today. And it's been my dream to do that for as many people as I can. So to say that you can't would not be real. Mm. To say that it's not often and it may not be as probable, that's another thing. But to say it's not possible I think is unfair because there are plenty of people, a lot of people, that actually get to change their life because sometimes they hear things just the right way and see things just the right way mm. where there's a new light bulb that goes on and they change the course of their life. You're a quite emotional person, aren't you? 
I have, I have I, I feelings. I see you talking about that man that, that changed your life. Yeah, And definitely. you only met him for 60 minutes. I see you sort of welling up and getting a bit, showing some emotion. Well, that, that man changed my life. Who was that man? His name was Paul Bragg. And he, uh, in fact... He's the food guy. He's the guy that did Bragg's amino acids. Right, you know? yeah. But Paul Bragg impacted uh, Jack Lane, who was an American icon in mm. fitness for over 50 years. He had a TV show on fitness. Mm. Uh, uh, Donald Trump, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jobs, wow. Luther Burbank, Henry and William Kellogg. I mean, I could go on the list. There's about 139 very famous people. They're all impacted by that one man. And I had the opportunity to be blessed to, to listen to this guy speak. And mm. he made me believe for the first time in my life that I could overcome my learning problems and learn how to read. I didn't know how to read until I was 18. Yeah, you were dyslexic. Uh, and that was no, it. Wasn't one of the uh, the only hurdles you had. You I mean you were homeless for a long time, and uh, yeah, you, I had, you some, had a lot of challenges. I had challenges. I I was I was born with a foot and turned and an arm turned in. I had to wear braces till I was four, and then I had to, I had to go to speech pathologist when I was a baby, till about four, because I couldn't pronounce and use my mouth properly. Mm. And then um, in first grade, my teacher had my parents come there first. I was in a normal reading class, and then I went to a remedial reading, and then I finally went to a a, a real you know, special reading. And then finally she put me and Daryl Dalrymple, another guy, in front of the window with a dunce cap on. So that's what they did. They didn't know. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that was me. Maths in space. It was supposed to be called Maths in Society when you just couldn't do maths. MIS, we'd go to that class. Exactly. They just gave up on us. Gave well, us calculators. They forget it. So they, she, the teacher, first grade teacher, asked my parents to come there and said, look, I'm afraid your son's never going to be able to read. He's never going to be able to write. Because I wrote backwards, and I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And they, they said, he'll never read, never write. He'll never uh, communicate because of speech issues. And he'll never mount a thing. He won't go very far in life. So just the only thing he excels in is he knows how to run. Because when I got out of the braces, all I wanted to do is run. Mm. I, everybody else was able to play, and I just wanted to run. And so she said, put him into some sort of sport. He'll yeah. be able to do okay there. Mm. And I did. I went into surfing, baseball and surfing. Mm. And that's what led me into meeting him in Hawaii because I was living in Hawaii at the time, surfing yeah. big waves. And, and, and so you went to uh, this um, talk with Paul Bragg. And uh, what did he say that, that changed your life? Well, he's, he, he first, he, he was this vibrant little guy. Mm. And you just kind of went, whoa. And he's, you know, I don't know how old he was in his 80s, I guess. Uh, he uh, he said that we have a body, we have a mind, and we have inspiration. And he said your body must be guided by the mind, and your mind must be guided by an inspired pathway. And um, he says we have we're here to set goals for ourselves, our family, our community, our city, our state, our nation, our world, and and beyond. And for 100 to 120 years, because by the time you're up in those ages, you'll probably live 100 years. That's what the average age will be. Mm. So he already saw that back then, and um, he just he was inspired, and he. He taught us about the power of our mind, and he, he said your thoughts become things. You, you, what you think about impacts your life, and what you visualize about your life impacts your life. Ah, the secret. Yeah, it's basic, the secret yes. principles. And, and uh, so I started applying the things he, he said, and it turned my life from living in a tent to uh, returning back and taking a GED to get a high school equivalency and, and eventually trying to get to college and learning how to read and... And I eventually learned, and I, I, then I didn't want to put it down. I just started reading like a madman. I just and look stop. at you now. You started writing a book back then. I think you wrote the first page after you uh, went to that uh, Paul Bragg. I seminar. started. Well, I wrote out a, uh, my goals and my mission statement mm. then, 
And uh, that book is now a 4,000-page book of goals. What? So yeah. I, I never How thought, far I, have you got through those 4,000 things? Uh, well, a lot of them. Yeah, a lot well, of them. But that's I'm a still big bucket them. list. It's a big bucket list. And, and I figured I'd rather have a big bucket list than a small one. What's next on your, on your list of things that you want to do? Well, I, right you now, must have done skydiving by now, surely. Actually, I've never done skydiving. But I got, we'll organize thing. it today. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to do it? I'll, I'll sort it out. We'll both go. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I can't do it today. We schedule. could land on the world, and then we could go to that, South America. That'd be sounding. That'd be good. <laughs> that, I, I would probably go for that. My sister's done that, but I haven't done skydiving. I haven't had a really urgent uh, thing. I love being in space. You know, I love being in uh, traveling. And yeah. I, I guess. Oh, I'm you want to go to space? space? Yeah, I actually was involved in the Spaceship One launch in uh, 2004, mm-hmm. and then actually already paid for going into suborbital travel. And, but then they grounded Spaceship One and Great Spaceship Two came on, but there yeah. were some casualties for that. Yeah. And Branson oh, had oh, to so postpone it. Did you get a refund? <laughs> no, I was just, uh, just waiting for it to get to launch. Oh, okay, again. cool. But, but, but wasn't it like a million bucks to get a ticket on that? No, first no it, was, it, was about a, it was about a quarter of a million, but yeah. it worth wasn't that it, much. Man, you get to go to space. It's, it's definitely worth it. So you, you just want to experience being weightless, yeah. and being in space. We, we like to be the first motivational speaker in space and get up start doing a lecture i i i didn't i didn't think about that i just had yeah. love to be up in space but that would be incredible i would love to be able to look back at the earth there's mm. a thing called an overview effect that many astronauts have experienced yeah. that when they go into space they have they, they tend to fall in love with earth and i wanted to go in and look back and how beautiful the earth is that's one of the things that i wanted to do that would be incredible isn't it amazing what elon musk is doing did you see the uh, falcon heavy launch the other day. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that they called it Falcon Heavy. Why? Because it's Falcon Heavy. Did yeah. You, did you pick up on that? <laughs> yeah. That guy does whatever he wants. But, his, but, and he put, it, he put his new car in space at the front of the rocket. Yeah. What a legend. Well, he's a, he's a visionary for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I like to say is that, that I'm very grateful to know that there's people out there that yeah. are cutting edge people like that. Changing the world. I wanted to do that in, in the industry. Uh, of you know education so that's been my my love mm. um, back on uh, Paul Bragg uh, it, it might have been a Gandhi thing I'm a, I could be a little bit confused but uh, you regularly do fasting you still do that or you I used still to? do occasionally I can't yeah. say it's like it was yeah. I, I had a very strong motive in my teens mm. and 20s because of the strychnine poisoning I had strychnine cyanide poisoning and I didn't know about that. How did you get that? that well, expanding my consciousness through natural means back oh, in, the, hello. in the 70s. Okay. You know, well, it was the 70s. Yeah, so um, early 70s. But I, I, uh, I was told by Paul Bragg that because of that, uh, that if I fasted, it would take the fat levels down and it would reduce that into the bloodstream and it would be conjugated and released into the, the, the liver and excreted. So I did what he said and I fasted and... And it worked, and it reduced all the symptoms that I had. And so I did a lot of fasting. Is it, is it true that, because uh, I've never done it, and I'm fascinated by it, because apparently it's like hitting the reset button on your body. And uh, I, I heard a story about you when you challenged some athletes to uh, a running race, and you ended up winning, and you hadn't eaten for days. Yes, I am. Um, How does that work? <clears throat> well, it depends on what we define as, as winning, because... Uh, it was the track team at Wharton Junior College that I was at. And the biologist was working with a track coach. And the biologist says, I got a guy who is fasting a lot. Mm. I did a 35-day fast. And it was on the eighth day of a fast that they wanted to challenge me to uh, a running, just to see what I would do, because I was able to run. 
And um, they took off with these strong muscular bodies and stuff like that. And the first five year, five miles, they were way ahead of me. And when we got to nine miles, I caught up with them. And when I went to the 18 mile, 11 mile mark, I had them behind me. They were tuckering out. Mm. And I got to the 18 miles, nobody was there. And I was drinking water and they could have anything they want during that run. And I just drank water and I was wearing these little gym shorts and I was running barefoot. And they just didn't understand that. But I got into a kind of like a perpetual motion machine. Mm. And I had a mindset, that I think, that it was different than theirs. Is that something that's like primal? It's in our DNA? Like, you know, we had to hunt for our food because we got no food in our body. There's something that kicks in in the human body that makes you just keep going and going and yeah. going. And we're built to be able to run, you know, long distance, escape rhinoceroses and lions and tigers in the jungle. Yep. So that, that's probably where that kicks in. Yeah, we have a, a adapting mechanism. We have to because the amygdala, as I was mentioning earlier, is has an impulse for prey and an instinct from predator. Mm. And so that's the most primitive kind of responder. And if we don't get our food, we have to. We may have to go searching for more food. So we had to be able to have fasting because we may not catch the food each time. Mm. So fasting became part of the biological system. And they found that when a person does have caloric restriction, that it actually helps the body live longer. Mm. That's pretty well one thing that has been yeah, shown wow. to add, add longevity. Yeah. They're even using it now in cancer treatment to actually fast while they're having chemotherapy. Really? Because it's showing that it's getting greater results. Yeah. They found out also that by either resting and fasting, that the glymphatic system in the brain uh, detoxes and removes some of the protein byproducts that are toxic in the brain, and it's helping people with uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and other conditions. So, so there is a place for fasting. Mm. I don't recommend it without having knowledge about it, mm. uh, but I do if you understand what it's doing. And I, I just did a summit on fasting actually yesterday. Oh, really? There's a there's a summit that they had discussed it, and I was interviewed for that. And uh, I don't go around, you know, calling myself a You're faster. not the fasting man. I'm not a fasting guy. Yeah, I just happen to do that because yeah. of my, my strychnine. But um, I've certainly learned enormous mm. about it. I think I read everything that was available in America at the mm. time on it while I was doing it, just so I understood. And Gandhi was an inspiration because he mm. did it. He kept records of his daily activities, everything mm. he ate, everything he thought mm. every day as a memoir. And that was inspiring, and I did that same thing. To and so when you did that, were you, were you just taking certain foods and just noting, okay, this makes me feel lots yes. of energy. This I makes had a, me feel I had tired. a list of what time of the day it was, yeah. uh, what I consumed, solid, liquid, whatever it was, uh, whether it was, and then psychological things that were going on in my mind and physiological things going on in my body, and I kept notes, mm. and I did that, and I did exactly what Gandhi did. I figured if it's good enough for him, it'd be good enough for me. And I did it <laughs> literally for a couple of years. I just did that every day ritually. Did and you go I, around shirtless with a big nappy on as well? Not a nappy, no, but... No, uh, big, what are they called? The big Gandhi used to... Yeah. Sh you know, the, the, the boardies <laughs> that were just like a towel. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't say I went that far, but I certainly uh, did get out in the sun a lot. But I, I, uh, I learned a lot about mm. my own physiology, mm. and I... I I think some of it was helpful to many others. Mm. And so you, you meditate. Uh, do you still do that quite often? Is that part of yep. your daily ritual? I, I do a lot of meditation. Um, so what do you do on a daily basis? Is it like a 10-minute thing or do you, is it like a full hour? You know, or? it varies. Um, it could be 15 minutes or it could be an hour. I mean, it mm. could be different things. Sometimes when I'm on a flight, because I fly a lot, yeah. I'll use meditation. Sometimes that's the wisest thing for me to do because mm. I really don't have the ability to get sleep on some mm. flights. I'm, yeah. I leave maybe Toronto and I'll land in London and it's a five hour or something flight. 
and you really don't get a decent rest, so it's mm. better to meditate. And then yeah. I, I get up and I speak when I get did, there. Did you, uh, for, for a while there, did you go uh, for a, uh, a few years not sleeping? Did I hear that right? And you would like meditate for like four hours with your head on the floor? And... Yeah, I, I... How'd you do that? I did about 35 years of four hours sleep. What? Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't sleep. That's crazy. But, but, and you felt fine? You didn't yeah, you had enough it. energy? I, and... I did four hours and about 10 minutes last night, so I'm, I'm still doing today. But Man, look at him go. But, You're but a machine. I, I, um, I did use meditation uh, when I was 18, 19, 20, up to about 23. I did a lot of meditation in replacement of sleep. And I would just sit kind of in a lotus position and just lean forward and turn my head to the side and review yeah. in my mind what I read and learned that day. And I found that very productive, and I was fine. And, and you don't feel you don't feel tired the next day. Is, I was is not it tired. just something that we have in our heads? Don't we must sleep for eight hours? There's even books about it. Like I was a, a friend of mine was trying to give me a book the other day that said, you know, the human body we're supposed to sleep from as soon as the sun goes down until the sun comes up, and that's like like let's live an hour. Well, it used to be we hours. we broke sleep up into two components. When yeah. the sun went down, we slept, and then we got up in the middle of the night, and then we slept again later in sunrise. Right. That was a double sleep pattern. Uh, and some people still do that, and they think it's insomnia, but it's just a pattern that's there, right. biologically. So there's nothing wrong with it. Don't panic. Don't take pills. No, you might get up and do something for a bit and go back to sleep. But I work really well sometimes when I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. There's no one yeah, around, quiet. no phones, I no used cars. To go, I used to go to bed at 10, get up at 2, do yoga till 2.30, speed read from 2.30 to 6.30, usually four to six books, seven books. And then I would go and jog, and then I would come back, clean up, and then I'd go to school, and then I'd go to clinic. And then I would come back and teach from 7 to 10, go to bed at 10 and do the cycle again. I did it every night. Wow. That was a normal pattern. That's but, incredible. But you, you're probably not likely to do that unless you develop the habit of it and, because, and you have some purpose in your life that you are trying to fulfill. If you have meaning in your Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Your life and purpose in life, and you're inspired by life, and you eat wisely. You eat to live, not live to eat. You have a higher probability of having more vitality and less need for escaping through sleep. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the business side of things because you've helped people get motivated in, in their their life and their relationships and uh, and and their businesses. Uh, everyone from celebrities to rock and roll wrestling WWE guys. Uh, any any celebrities off the top of your head that you might have helped with their their business and. Motivational? Yeah, I don't normally bring up a lot of name dropping. But oh, okay. I, I, uh, I do all the time. I have had the opportunity to work with various celebrities in the movie industry and also in sport industry. So yes, I have. So what would be the most common thing that, that these celebrities and sports stars come to you with? Say, oh, I feel like my career's over. How do I revitalize it? Or that, no, how do I take it to the next level? On occasion, that's there. I mean, that has happened. But uh, most of the time, they are working like any human being. They're, we have this assumption that somehow they have a different life than, than everybody else, but the reality is they have challenges with relationships and challenges with managing money and challenges with business growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they're agents. I mean, sports people 
be a lot of sports people that have agents and they never learned how to manage money and their agents managed it for them and used it. Happens so much, doesn't it? I mean, even Michael Jackson. I yeah. Mean, Michael Jackson had that. I had the opportunity to meet Michael a number of times. And, oh, wow, cool. And Michael was a very soft spoken. You could stand literally in front of him two feet away and you could barely hear him. Very soft spoken. Oh, man. man, could he sing? Oh, he's an amazing singer. Mm. And his father, uh, Joe, was was quite different than his mother. They were like complete opposites. Yeah. His mother was very elegant and very present, and Joe was kind of distracted and he wasn't sure where he was thinking. But there were, but there was definitely uh, their needs, or there's sometimes the same needs as anything: family challenges, you know, mm. how to get along with somebody, um, how do I deal with my fears of mm. rejection, um, how do I get everything done in a day that I want to get done, and how mm. do I prioritize? Things that we all face. And it's all emotional based, isn't it? Like, oh, I'm not good enough, or I can't achieve that goal, or how how can I get there? And you know, people are letting me down. I mean, is it? A lot of people in business and relationships as well, do they see it as uh, glass half full rather than half empty? Rather, you know, looking at, at the better side of things, looking at the bad side of things? Well, I, I tell people that if you, if you set a goal that has all positives and no negatives, your brain is set up automatically to come up with the anxieties and phobias and fears to let you know you don't really have an objective goal, you have a fantasy. And so the... The, the fears that people face are actually feedback to give them guidance to set real goals in real time with thinking out the risks and mitigating those with strategic planning and foresight. So anytime we set up a fantasy, we automatically create a phobia. And I, I help them redirect the goals to make sure that they're really truly thought through so they're really strategically able to take actions towards an objective to get it. I can't imagine building the broken bridge without a plan or, mm. or any great edifice without a plan. And the same thing for our lives. Those that don't fill their day with high priority actions that inspire them, that lead towards an objective that's meaningful, their life fills up with distractions and frustrations and as a feedback to let them know that. Do people not make big enough goals? Should they aim higher or should they go, okay, well, this is what I've got. This is, I should just behave myself and just work within my means. Well, the people you associate with will have an influence on that. If you associate with people that have small goals, if you try to go beyond them, they're mm. gonna be like the, the crabs in the bucket trying to bring you back in. Mm. Uh, if you hang out with people that have bigger goals, mm. they'll probably say, hey, go for it, mm. and encourage you to keep st stretching. My nanny used to say, you lie down with dogs, you're gonna get fleas. And there's another saying, uh, it goes along the lines of you are the sum of five of the people you hang out with the most, yes. along those lines. Yeah, tell me. So I, I uh, I think that it's wise to, you know, expand. I, I, I've never seen anybody that says, I want to become less intelligent. Mm. I want to have less fulfillment in career. I want to have less wealth. I want to have less fulfillment in relationship. I've never seen anybody that gets up and has a desire for less in any of those areas. They may say less stress, but they don't say less of the fulfillment of those areas. Mm. So it's a natural thing that if we do live in alignment with what we value and congruently and authentically, we tend to have a natural expansion of our space and time horizons and we give ourselves permission to do something greater. And so I tell people to set goals that are truly meaningful, that are truly yours, not injected ideals that you've mm. compared with other people and thought, mm. oh, I should be like that, mm. but something that is intrinsically driven from within. Mm. I'd like to make this distinction. When everybody has a hierarchy of values, a set of priorities they live their life by. When they set goals that are aligned and congruent with their highest value, that's an intrinsic value and they are spontaneously inspired to act from within. Mm. You don't have to remind a 12-year-old boy to do his video games. 
but you may have to remind him to do his, his homework and his chores. Yeah. So something that's intrinsically inspiring to them, they do automatically. Mm. But many people are setting goals because of comparison to other people, living yeah. in the shadows of others and yeah. not standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm. And they're basically trying to be somebody they're not. Mm. Even Ralph Waldo Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. It's not wise to try to be somebody yourself other than yourself. Mm. Uh, Einstein said, if you're a cat and you expect to swim, you'll beat yourself up. And mm. if you're a, a fish expecting to climb, you'll beat yourself up. But if you're a fish and you desire to master swimming, you'll excel. So don't try to be somebody you're not. The magnificence of who you are is far greater than any fantasies you'll impose on yourself. Got to wow, give yourself permission man. to be yourself. <laughs> I just feel like I need to write all that stuff down. I'm glad we're recording this. So just say you're um, your average Joe out there. You're working a nine-to-five job, doing something that doesn't inspire you. You've got a wife and two kids. Uh, you're in a circle of friends who are pretty much doing the same thing, but you're not exactly doing something that inspires you. What would be the best possible way to, to break that mold and be able to step outside your comfort zone and actually chase your dreams and chase something that really does inspire you and empower you? Well, I, I have that every week. That yeah. is a very common denominator in yeah. a lot of people. Most people have Monday morning blues, Wednesday hump days. Thank God it's Fridays and week friggin' ends. And they, their vocation, vacation is schizophrenic. They, they have to escape their, <laughs> their vocation yeah. to get to a vacation. I don't, my vocation, vacation is the same. I, my, I don't see them as separate. But what I tell people is to first write down every single thing you do in a day, both personal and professional. Make a, a very comprehensive, detailed, daily action list. Not broad things, but really what you do in a day. Next to it, write down how much does it produce per hour. What does it actually produce? Because that's really the reflection of the service you provide the world. Right. Next one is how much meaning does it have on a one to 10 scale? And if it's high on your values, it's a high meaning. If it's low, it's low meaning. Then how much would it cost to replace, if somebody was, you hired somebody to do that, how much would it cost to replace them? Hmm. And the next in the column is how much time is spent? And by doing that, it's really eye-opening because you find out you're majoring in minors and minoring in majors many times. You're doing things that are uninspiring and anytime you do low priority things, you devalue yourself and you lose your confidence. And then you get feedback and doubts and fears. But anytime you're doing something that's higher, you go into the executive center, you're more objective, you're more strategic, you're more visionary, and you make things happen. So what I do is once I do that, I now ask uh, if I could start to delegate the lower priority things and get focused on the higher priority things and produce more income to be able to afford to delegate and mm. pay the person to do it. You liberate yourself, even in the job you have, to produce more income, serve more people, have more meaning, have more fulfillment, yeah. mm. and then give more job opportunities and grow the economy. Mm. But if you are knowing you're in a job that you would like to move on and you're just seeing it as a transient uh, pass-through, if you don't get clear about where you really want to go, and mm. it's not really concise, you don't have a plan, you won't make decisions to do that until you believe there's going to be more advantages than disadvantages. So if you don't take the time to plan, you automatically trap yourself. So I tell people, either go and do what you love through delegating, go do what you love and delegate and hire people, or go love what you do through linking by asking, how is this temporary job that I have now? Until I can delegate it, until I can open my own company, how specifically is it helping me fulfill what is meaningful to me? And don't stop and say it's not, ask how is it? Because it's all about your perceptions, not about the actions. William James said that the greatest discovery of his generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their perceptions and attitudes of mind. So ask, how is what I'm doing on a daily basis, how is it helping me make one step closer to the things that I truly want? You then have what is called use stress, not distress. Mm. 
and you actually build wellness, not illness, and your creativity goes up, your productivity goes up, and you have more opportunities to make the next step, mm. and it gives you the confidence to set your own goals. And if you save money along the way and quit thinking, I can't afford, but to say, pay yourself first and pay it, and you'll attract more money, because when you manage money wisely, you receive more money to manage, you have a higher probability of then having the cushion to take the risk to start your own entrepreneurial venture. Is, is that also got a, a bit of a gratitude feel about it because you're, you're so thankful for doing the things that you love and you're sending out that message to the universe that this is what I really want to do and you attract more of that back? Well, I, I think anybody, if they walked into a, any store and they had somebody that was engaged and inspired and loved what they do and they were grateful and they, they met you with a, a appreciation, uh, you have a higher probability of having a desire to go back or refer uh, and they're likely to grow their business. I, I, as Peter Lynch, who wrote one up on Wall Street many years ago, back in the 90s, uh, he said, when I, I do my quantitative and technical analysis and things on the stocks, I select stocks and I get down to a series of stocks. But the thing before I buy the stock is I actually go and visit the actual companies and some of their outlets and I go and meet the people. And if I don't see people who are grateful for their job, loving what they do, inspired by the vision and enthusiastically working, I don't buy the stock. Yeah, it's not going to appreciate in value. One hundred percent. I was I was watching uh, Will Smith's blog the other day. Yeah, Will Smith just started video blogging everywhere he goes, putting stuff up online, talking about his friends and family and relationships, and it's really inspiring. And he said, if you can't look to your right and can't look to your left and see someone who is next to you that's your friend that believes in you, that will constantly be empowering you and saying, yeah, go for it give it all you've got, then you need to get away from those people. How do you shake those people from your life? Well, <clears throat> I don't. I don't try to. I, I, I don't, I'd have to watch the thing on Will. I, I've, I was asked to do a presentation with him in Italy recently. But I, I think I, when, when I, ha I have both supporters and challengers. Mm. You need both. Yeah. And I don't see one as bad and the other one as good. Yeah, you I'm, can't have everyone just saying, yeah, 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 go no, for no, it. No. Oh, he jumped off the cliff. Wow. I, no, because I you, thought he could fly. Because <laughs> if I'm really honest with myself, mm. I can see that sometimes the people who have challenged me have made me self-reflect, mm. look, and refine some of the behaviors that I've had that I may not have understood were, were not serving people. Uh, in a sense, they weren't, people were not engaged in it. So I can't, I don't want to hide from them. I don't want to escape them. I want to understand what am I what am I doing that's initiating that behavior in their value system. So if I do, I have a choice. I can either communicate more effectively and learn about how to communicate more effectively, or I can look for how that helps me and inspires me in other ways. Mm. But if I have an expectation of always being supported and I'm addicted to support, I'm going to be hurt by challenge. But if I embrace both sides objectively, I find that they both help me refine things and help me become so how, more empowered. So some, someone says something negative about your career or your job or your life or what you're doing and they're a great friend um how do you find the positive in that well if i first there's there's two or three things i do because i get that um i first ask th this question is anything that they're saying on a conscious level is any of that possibly true because it may be true and i have to be <laughs> the truth hurts well <laughs> if, if it does yeah. then you're addicted to fantasies what's that other saying um uh, the, the truth will set you free, but it'll piss you off first. Well, yeah. But the thing is, is that I found that if somebody does tell it, you actually appreciate that. Yeah. I've had people come up to me and says, John, I'm going to give you some feedback. Mm. And I, I go, thank you. Many times they mm. say what they say, and I go, thank you.
I, I'm completely oblivious to some of the things I need to hear. Hmm. And some, some people find it really hard to, to, to say things that will only help, help their friend out. They think, oh, I better not say it. He might, yeah, but he the might repression, repression of that will eventually explode. Hmm. It's better to just be integral and make sure it's not your own stuff. So the first thing I do is, is, is what they're saying actually true and could it be productive? The second thing is, it, is it just a projection of their own stuff? And that happens too. I first tried to decide is how much is this projection and how much is actually for me. Because mm. Norm Chomsky said that much of our language is not for others. It's for us to hear mm. what we say to others for ourselves. We're wow. talking to ourselves. Then the third thing is I'm looking for who's playing the opposite role in my life. Because if, if I'm up, there's an interesting thing about human behavior that if you're puffed up and cocky, you attract criticizers to bring you back down. Like, oh, like the tall poppy. It's the tall poppy syndrome. Exactly. Oh, we cop that all the time. But if you're really humble, people lift you up. So it could be that the critique that they're giving me is actually making sure I get authentic and, mm. uh, and, uh, and not get addicted to too much praise and puff myself up and become blind to my, my frailties. It's wiser to actually see it because I found out, I learned a lesson. When I was in my 20s, I, I used to have a big day in practice. I mean, I'd, have, I'd knock it out of the ballpark on some days. Mm. And I'd get puffed up. And I think I'm, I'm actually yeah, amazing. I'm damn good. Yeah. I mean, I, I grab people's hands and then put them on my shoulder and said, touch me and you'll feel better about yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, this kind of ego thing. Yeah. And I, when I would get home, my wife would just nail me. Yeah. And Bring I, you back down to and, and I And I read this book <laughs> on toxic relationships. I thought, yeah. well, she's toxic. There's, and and, and this, I, I don't recommend this book. <laughs> she should be feeling my muscles too. Yes. But then I realized that what she was doing is she was making sure I came home centered not cocky mm. so then i would notice that if i had a really down day mm. she'd be lifting me up and i thought and i started logging it because i'm i like to do analysis i, I, I did yeah. a log on this and i found out that she was actually keeping me in the center but i was addicted to being praised wow. and my addiction to praise made my criticisms hurt and so the second i realized that i needed both to keep centered i appreciated the criticisms and i didn't avoid the criticisms anymore and I realize that sometimes they're giving me feedback that the praise people are unwilling to do. And I centered myself in my relationship. I actually, before I left the office, I had a series of questions that if I puffed up and I looked and wrote the signs of what, what it's like to be a little elated and puffed, mm -hmm. I asked, what patient did I forget the names of today? What staff member did I not thank? Mm -hmm. What procedure did I oversight? Yeah. What name did I not remember? And, yeah. and what uh, birthday did I forget? Mm -hmm. And I created my own checklist to humble me. Mm -hmm. And then on uh, down days, I put another checklist in reverse right. to get me centered. So you've got to keep yourself in the middle ground. I so got myself self-governed. Too good about yourself. and you're too. Does that stop you from feeling too happy and too well, on top well, of the I world? Well, I found that, that happiness can blind you mm. from being inspired. Because you can get manic and get dopamine fixed. Oh, you, you think you don't need to be inspired. You're, you're inspired by yourself. Yeah, but you, you get elated and you get blind to the downsides. Just like an infatuation with a relationship. Mm. Many people have been hit by a relationship. They get all infatuated. Michael Douglas did that with Glenn Close, if I remember, right. in Fatal Attraction. Oh, yeah. So you got infatuated. And thought, oh. I was infatuated with a scene in that yeah. movie with the, whoa, what's she doing? But <laughs> the, the reality is that that infatuation is blind to the downside. You're conscious of the positives. You're unconscious of the negatives. You split yourself up in that judgment, mm. and you're not really being your authentic self. And the same thing on the criticism. So I, I, I let my intuition ask the opposite question to center myself, because mm. if you don't govern yourself, the world has to. Do you think people lose themselves in a relationship and lose their own identity? Absolutely. 
if they're infatuated. Mm. If they're infatuated and play underdog and they put somebody on a pedestal, mm. they'll tend to inject their other person's values into their life and try to live in those people's values. Mm. But weeks later, the resentment will build up because they feel like they're sacrificing themselves for the person and eventually they want their life path. Mm. At the same time, if they're resentful to the person, they'll tend to project their values onto the person and expect them to live in their values. Mm. Neither one of these work. They're no, non-sustainable. Is, is that a version of a toxic relationship, I guess? Well, it's an it's a, it's a early relationship based on the amygdala's dopamine and it eventually costs you and it teaches you how to love eventually. If you, if you have to go through a few of those uh, attractions and repulsions to center yourself and then you finally get to a point of, of more of an equanimity. I'm getting so much information from this guy. This is amazing. I could speak to you for hours and hours and hours and learn so much I, and watch it back, but I, I know we haven't got you forever. I, I, I got to share this funny story. Yeah. I was, I was in practice many years ago with this mm. and I was giving a hard time to my secretary because mm. she was taking forever to type something. Yeah. And I couldn't have typed any faster, but I was expecting it and I was urgent and I was being unrealistic. And I was kind of bitching at her. And all of a sudden, ding-a-ling-a-ling, the door opened, and this 85-year-old woman walked in. And she caught the tail end of my little spat with this, this assistant. And I smiled and turned around, you know, and hi. And she said, <laughs> good morning. And you know how you kind of just suppress it for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I walked down the hallway with this lovely lady. And she said, relationships, they're so splendid. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, God, here we go. Some senile lady now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she says, no, it's, it's great. I said, well, why do you say so, ma'am? And she says, well, it just, it's just such a splendid thing. We learn so much about ourselves. And I said, and how so? And she says, well, relationships, for instance, they take about 60 years to get good. <laughs> and I said, 60 Six, years? Yeah, I can't wait that long. <laughs> 60 years? She says, I said, how come? And she said, well, the first 10 years, you want out. The second 10 years, he wants out. The third 10 years, you both want out. The fourth 10 years, you go out. The fifth 10 years, you said, oh, what the hell, the kids and the grandkids. And the sixth 10 years, you start to get a relationship. I said, why the sixth 10 years, you know, the 60 years, why does it get good? She says, well, by then you can't see him or smell him or hear him or taste him. <laughs> You've lost all your senses. Uh, my, my dad just finds a woman he doesn't like and buys her a house every few years. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's more cost effective. And, and, uh, and I got another mate who's been married for 14 years and he said, you only get 10 years for murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, glass half full. Uh, but mate, thank you so much for your time. And, and like we've, we've covered so many uh, aspects of how you help people with relationships, with their business, work life, uh, with their health. Um, something I want to ask you before we finish up, as I know you're, uh, you know, obviously all the research that you've done on the human body and, that, and how people act in certain situations. Um, do you think we're evolving as a species and, and figuring out our brains and figuring out that there's a lot more... <clears throat> to this life and what's going on around us? Well, I think that's evident um, if we look back over the last, say, 25,000 years and what mm. man's doing, human, humanity has done. I believe that the brain is a highest value seeking and uh, fulfilling organ. If you look, imagine a tree and the tree's mission is to get to light. The dendritic leaf structure is trying to find light. And if it gets light to the, to the leaves, that branch gets stronger. And if it doesn't, it shades, the branch dies out. And so it's literally remodeling itself to maximize its light exposure, constantly rebuilding itself. The brain is no different. But light, in this case, is the degree of enlightenment of fulfilling what's valuable to us. 
And they found out recently that the brain is actually shooting light through it, and it increases its light levels when we're actually doing something congruent. So there's a lot of, literally a metaphor there and a reality. There's light bouncing around in our brain. In our brain, at the cellular level. So anytime you're doing something, uh, let me give an example. Let's say you're a mother and your highest value is beautiful children, and she walks in a mall. She will spot things with a selective biased attention uh, in the mall that helps her fulfill her children's dreams. And she can sleep through a freight train, wake up at the whimpering of a child and monitor because her pulvinar region in her thalamus filters things out and makes sure she sees the things that are most important because she can't handle infinity, but she can handle the finity of the details of the priorities. So we have a selective biased attention to make sure we get the most prioritized information we can to maximize the brain, to make the brain myelinate itself and neurogenically grow itself, to expand itself, mm. to maximize what we have as our highest value. Mm. So anytime we set goals that are congruent with that and not minimize ourselves to others and try to scatter ourselves, trying to be something we're not, mm. we maximize our brain function, myelinate to more forebrain area, live more ex objectively with strategic planning and mitigate risk, and achieve more, but if we try to live in somebody else's values and try to be somebody we're not, we're not growing. comparing, we literally destroy the brain and we end up uh, demyelinating some parts of it and end up with more bipolar responses and more needs for immediate gratification to compensate for the unfulfillment we have. Hear that human race? Push yourself. We need to grow these brains to the next level. There's, what do you think is the next level? Where do you think our brains are going? Because we're figuring out so many things about ourselves and intuition. And I was watching a documentary on this channel called Gaia the other day about the, um, the pineal gland and how the Egyptians used to you know, talk about that. And that's the actual eye on the side of pyramids is, is the same shape as the is it pineal gland. Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, pineal. Do you know the, what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and, and like people are, are, are sort of feeling their, their gut feelings, their intuition and thinking that all those things are tied together. And maybe that's a part of the brain going to the next level. Well, <clears throat> I could go for a couple of days on that one. Oh, really? Cool. Because uh, some people look at me and go, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, th there's a difference, though, because uh, th many, many times people interchange gut and intuition. But I'd, if you don't mind, I'd like to explain some I'd differences. Love you when we are perceiving a predator's approaching us, that means anything that challenges our values. Our gut instinct comes up with a defense and a sympathetic response of fight or flight to prepare for it. And that gut instinct is because of a perception that we see more challenge and support heading our way. On the other side, if we see something that is food-like or something we infatuate with and look and supports our values, um, we have an impulse towards because we have a tendency to want to consume it. If you look very carefully, when you're infatuated with somebody, you actually want to consume them and the name you give them is sweetie pie, honey bunny, sugar cake. It's sugar because we have sugar receptors yeah. on our tongue. And we want I've never to consume called a dude it. that, by the way. I just want to make that clear. Yes. <laughs> you might call him equal or sweet and low. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but the impulse and instinct yeah. is in the gut level. It's yeah. literally an enteric brain response. It's a very primitive animal response. And it's about avoiding pain and seeking pleasure, avoiding predator, seeking prey. And, and it's different. It's not intuition. Intuition is actually a counterbalancing negative feedback loop in the brain to try to help neutralize and mitigate the perceptions of support over challenge or challenge over support. So if you're infatuated with somebody, your impulse is to want to go after them. And I got to have that. Mm. If you're resentful to somebody, your instinct is to protect yourself, avoid that. But your intuition, when you're, it's online, when you're infatuated with somebody, your intuition is whispering to you saying, there's downsides. And it's starting to point them out. 
to break your addiction to that and to make you not vulnerable to that because it occupies space and time in your mind and runs you if you don't. And so the intuition is trying to point out the downsides and bring it back into a more of a balanced state. And if you're having this, this uh, challenge in your life, your intuition is trying to point out the upside. And so there's got to be meaning in this. There's got to be a reason why this is happening. It's trying to bring it back into balance to set you free because the animal nature inside us of avoid and seek, the human being has meaning and it has the ability to transcend that with objective reason. And that's the difference between our animals and the humans. So our intuition is a higher function overriding impulses and instincts mm. to liberate us from our animal nature and to give mm. us aspects where our greatest creativity and ingeniousness and inspirations and potential to do incredible contribution. So our intuition is an important component. Mm. It's not the truth. It's just trying to get us back to the truth where mm. we see things objectively. Is that like when you, um, you meet someone and all of a sudden you just have this intuition, a bit of gut feeling maybe as well, that this person's really cool because they're, they're in line with your values? Well, if they're supporting your values, that's your impulse to want to hang out with them. Yeah. That's the pleasure seeking. But your intuition is saying, hmm, keep your eyes open. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. It's just like uh, some of the speculations in the market. People get either greed or fear, right? Yeah. And greed is a combination of the impulse from the amygdala and fear is the instinct from the amygdala. And we, we don't learn to govern that. And we go into a, we buy when everybody's buying and then we sell when everybody's selling and we lose all our money. Yeah, that's the thing. Our intuition is trying to be contrarian and trying to bring things back into balance. When things are up, it's pointing out the downside. When things are down, it points out the upside. And it's trying to center us. Because if we aren't centered, the world on the outside runs us. And if we are centered, the world on the inside runs us. And when the voice and the vision on the inside is louder than all the emotions on the outside, we master our life. Master your life, master your emotions, master everything. Master Goldman and Master Dumartini have been here on the mic today. And I want to say it has been an absolute pleasure to meet you. And if people want to, uh, to see you in action, uh, what have you got coming up? Well, I'm doing a presentation tonight. I don't know if this is live, but uh, if, it's, if it's not live, then... But uh, No, but uh, yeah, we have, uh, you know, you'll have other presentations coming up that yeah, we can... Yeah, I, I come back into... I'm doing a presentation tonight in Sydney, uh, the 10 Principles of Great Achievers. But I'll be back in May and I believe June... Uh, doing a tour through different cities throughout Australia. But if they just go to my website, drdmardini.com, they can see the events uh, menu, and they can see where I am around the world. I think you've like got a like a, um, a bit of a get-to-know-yourself quiz thing on there. Well, it's, there's a value determination process on mm. there that I've developed that helps you get rid of the, the illusions about what's valuable to you and help you get more objective about it. And it's very valuable. It's being used in universities and education and many different fields. And it's a very practical 30-minute exercise you can do to help you determine. And you'll get a printout, and it's private. No one will see it except you. And you can keep it and, and, and go back to it and do it again and compare things. But to really determine what is really valuable to you on how to set priorities in your life. It could be very helpful to people. Dr. John Martini, let's go skydiving. <laughs> You've been watching On The Mic with Dr. John. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. I, I think our show was a skydive. Yes, it was. <laughs>
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 